Welcome back to another episode of the Blackwatch Report. I'm your host, Thorn Rain. As always, with me this evening, my co-host, Mr. Kyle Wynn. How are you doing this evening, sir? Pretty good. It doesn't feel like evening. I've been like waking up later and later and later. And so it's just like, I'm so confused when it's like, good evening. I'm like, oh gosh, I just woke up like two hours ago. <laughs> uh, well, yes, good evening. <laughs> and and your two hours ago is actually like one in the afternoon. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's almost 7 o'clock here. It's, like, 4 o'clock there. So, it's evening Time's for me. Weird, it's afternoon for you. Uh, it's all timey-wimey Doctor Who-ish crap. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, how are you this evening, sir? Pretty good. Not much has really happened this last week. Well, I've been working on a bunch of game devy stuff. Uh, I've been playing three games pretty much exclusively. Overwatch, Valorant, and uh, RimWorld, which is... I play with uh, Deathblow and all that like, consistent group for Valorant and Overwatch, which is pretty fun. Uh, got up to gold in Valorant, which is nice. My nice. Cypher's pretty good. I'm getting better. It's always good. Uh, but then friggin' RimWorld is a fascinating game. It's been out for like years, but I just never gave it a chance. And it's my friend and I are like playing it in voice chat together and like we're streaming our games to each other. Uh, and we're playing entirely different ways, and it's so sick that like I'm playing way more like easy, but focusing on building and having this like super well organized civilization. Meanwhile, he's like deep in survival, fighting off waves and waves of invaders and aliens and bandits and stuff. And it's just an entirely different way to play, and it's so deep in terms of mechanics and stuff that you can do, and all sorts of great mods as well that have come out that are fixing a bunch of stuff. So it's just I don't know. I've, I, I'm in a uh, so a like, gaming golden age at the moment, playing so many great things. Is it like a, a world builder or No, it's um it's kind of survivally, but like the gameplay is much more managerial, which is what I like. Okay. I'm a huge like manager game uh, manager game player. Uh so it's kind of like prison architect, but survivally. So you've like tell people where to go and what tasks to do, and they'll build a house and then you gotta it's all like top down, you know? So it's super fascinating. Oh, okay. Everyone's got like stats and stuff. Um that they're good at things, bad at other things, and they have character quirks as well. Like some people are antisocial, some people are easy to snap and go on uh pyromaniac rampages if they are too unhappy. Uh people can like lose arms and legs in war and you can put uh peg legs on them or <laughs> mechanical arms that enhance your ability to mine and stuff. It is the deepest game I've seen in a long time. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't been playing anything that deep. A little bit of Valorant here and there, a little bit of Apex, a little bit of Overwatch, a little bit of Fall Guys. That game does get infuriating really, really fast. Um, (laughs) I, I see why people break desks and lose their mind very easily. Um... But other than that, just kind of uh, messing around on D&D Beyond. I've been, like, building out a bunch of uh, encounters because I'm, I've never DM'd before. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I want to try it. I have a, a scenario in my mind that is literally completely random. Um, on how it would be DM'd, uh, so I have to build out, uh, 
20 encounters in order for me to pull off what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds well, fascinating. It's, it's 20 encounters at five different levels. So, like, in total, there's 100 encounters, but it's like, oh, all right, so there's a rat encounter. There's a rat encounter for level one, two, three, four, and five, depending on how you how you roll it. Um, so it's all completely random. Once I finish it and I feel confident, I'll buy all of the other books that I need and uh, try to put together a, a group of people to step into Thorn's Tavern and see <laughs> if uh, if we can get these. Uh, these wanted posters taken care of. So, but uh, this isn't a D and D podcast, <laughs> not yet, not uh, quite, not yet. Not, not Even quite. though we have been playing every week and so far, it's yes. been pretty fun. But yeah, uh, my kids are still loving it. They're my daughter's starting to try. She wants to try to draw her character. She's drawing a Meliodas from Seven Deadly Sins for my son inside of his. Uh, uh, I got these like little wooden trays to roll dice in. So she's going to put Meliodas at the bottom of his dice tray for him. So uh, yeah, kids are loving it. It's a good time, but let's get down into some, uh, some news here. We got a little bit, not a whole lot as always news brought to you by our Patreons. If you want to become a Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash blackwatch report, sign up at the $2 level. You can sponsor the news. This week's sponsor is none other than shrug off who just hit two years subscribing on uh, Twitch. Thank you so much, sir. You keep this ship afloat. Kyle, take us away. So, starting off, this was something we didn't know about until literally we went live here today. I think one but, person uh, knew about it. and that There has nicer. been a tournament that has been happening the last month with all of the Tier 1 EU teams, but I have heard nothing of it. Neither has Shrug, and he's pretty plugged into the Tier 2 scene. Um, and I mean, so are Thorne and I, and we heard nothing of it. Like We follow all of the teams on Twitter, and no one has posted anything about it. And it literally ended with uh, British Hurricane winning in a forfeited match from uh, over Ex Oblivion because Ex Oblivion played a ineligible player. Don't know what that meant. Were they too young to compete? Were they not on their roster ahead of time and played as like a ringer that wasn't approved yet? I don't know. There's very little details on it, but um, it is fascinating that there was this whole tournament that went completely under our radar. And. Uh, ended the as completely unceremoniously as it did and yeah. they played two maps british hurricane won two of them and before the final map or two could be played the team had to forfeit <laughs> so yeah. and it's it's really weird because like i'm looking at the group stages all of the groups like it, not all of the groups there's six groups three of the six had three teams in them the other three had four teams. Two of the groups with four teams had disqualified teams, and then Group C that had Young and Beautiful and Anno Damini had a DQ. And these are all before the finals DQ. So there was four total teams DQ'd throughout the course of this tournament. Weird, yo. This I don't understand what happened to this. Such an enigma. Like, now I want to find, like, are there VODs? Is there any news on this? Like, I want to know why these teams were DQ'd. I want to know what player was, like, ineligible. There's just so many questions now. They have VODs available. We can go back and watch them eventually. 
Um, they literally only have two recent broadcasts, one from yesterday and one from today. Okay. I am so unbelievably confused, and they have like 60 views and 40 views, so... This was this was a deep cut under the radar with some really fascinating good teams, thing that happened, which is crazy. Yeah, good old EU. Uh, yeah, but moving on into roster moves, we've got news that half a cool after kind of dancing back and forth between Overwatch and Valorant says I'm going to take a small break from Valorant and give OWL one last try, going hard until end of the year. So he's got uh, four months left to go. Four months is that how math works? Yes, it is. Yep. Six months. Four months, well, six, twelve, three technically, because I don't think there's any tournaments three. in December. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's got he's got three months worth of tournaments, and the so, last I heard, he's still LFT. So he was has not played since getting dropped from Eternal Academy after they blew up in September, April, in April. So. Big unlucky there, but yeah. um, hopefully he finds success in the future. He's a very talented player. I know a bunch of people uh, who will give him a uh, a vouch mm-hmm. in his ability, but there's a lot of other talented people who are trying really, really hard, so hopefully he's able to get a spot and, and uh, have good performances here. So we go from someone that a ton of people in the Overwatch community knows of and has heard of, to someone that I personally have never heard of. This is the first time I've ever seen this name come up. And that's because he's been sitting down in Tier 3 for the last four years, according to Team Avoided's announcement of I Am Special joining the team. Um, I Am Special joining right as we're going into the next set of contenders. Uh, what is... Are they in Trials? Uh... Or did they make it back into Contenders EU Season 2? They got third, so no, they're going to go right back into Contenders. So uh, he's jumping up from Open Division right into Contenders. So it'll be kind of... Yeah, they got third place yeah. in last Contenders. So right behind right. Ex Oblivion. So um, I might have to check out one of their games to see, you know, he's a flex tank. And see, you know, if he stands out or anything like that. So, definitely going to have to check out I Am Special joining up with uh, Avoided here. Yeah, and then in this weird realm of Triumph shenanigans, I am re- so there's something I don't know fishy about on. this, dude. Yeah, they have losing. They are losing everyone. Um, they have lost their support line now of Lep and Vigilante. They lost their coach last week, uh, Nomi and then Empress. Yeah. Coaches, yeah. They now have four players left on their roster. No coaches, I believe, at all. Um, really interesting stuff happening here. I'm really curious as to if there's some shenanigans. There's some people who are unhappy about what happened with their Valent roster. Maybe stuff is carrying over. I don't know. But they literally don't have any coaches right now they have a translator and rusto and that's it with four players so yeah kind of crazy right now for for triumph yep and big then unlucky kind of another one of the big names that we're used to talking about in contenders but we really haven't had a chance to recently uh because of you know 
kind of a rough going for him. Uh, Revival, oh, yeah. adding uh, Cabe, Squid, and Frosted, uh, along with Specs leaving the team. Um, was there any anything on Specs? No, I, I didn't hear what happened. They basically just swapped out the roster. I, I assume it was a cut from the roster kind of thing um because they filled the spot with new players and all that sorts of stuff so yeah because it's hard uh, to tell but like with aspen going over to doge and stuff like that so that they had quite a few holes left in them um yeah i'm not seeing anything there's no like announcement Mm -hmm. on specs or anything and this is a team that will continue to kind of I'm. I really am finding it hard to give them much credit yet until we see something from them. They are constantly just having losing pieces, um, unable to really get the performances that they're looking for. Oh, uh, did we talk about Aspire being on loan to Malibu for the September contenders? Because I thought. It- Always was. I thought he was always on loan because I knew that Razor was on loan and Aspire was on loan as well. And I thought they he's been on loan for a hot minute. Yeah, it's. I just noticed that there was a tweet. Oh, apparently, it happened three it days ago. Two, I thought three days ago. That's yeah. That's. I was like weird. I forgot that he was even on revival because he's been playing in contenders with other teams while revival's been in trials. Wait. Oh, he was inactive as of... Okay, so he was on... Okay, he was on Revival. Then he was on Loan to Triumph until June. They went back to Revival, then was on their inactive roster and marked as a Loan to Malibu as of three days ago. Okay. So I knew that he was on Loan to Triumph, but I guess I did not know that he went on trial on Loan then from Revival to Malibu. So that is an interesting... Uh, thing that has happened as well. Yes, just revival shuffling players around uh, basically constantly at this point until they get back into uh, trials and in contenders. But that's about it for the news. There wasn't a whole lot of news this week going on. Um, we're getting into that that weird portion where we got to wait to hear what's going to happen with trials. We got to wait to see what happens with the next open division. So uh, it's going to be kind of slow going on some stuff right now. Definitely going to be looking into getting some uh, some interviews uh, lined up. Maybe something from across the pond, hopefully, if we can work out those stupid, stupid time zones. Time zones. Yeah, it's going to be an early day for me. <laughs> uh, make Kyle do a recording at 5 in the morning his time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I can go back to bed, I'm down, dude. Yeah. So uh, let's roll right into the quick play here. We're going to be talking about this week's contenders matchups. Uh, we had some predictions. We'll talk about those a little bit later. But Kyle, why don't you take us through this bracket here? So as we expected, initially slept on, picked Kratos and then did well against them with 2-0 square one. I believe picked Drifters to go up against because I think they were the lowest of the top four seeds. So they got the the last pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, square one beats Drifters. Team Doge beats Carasuno. Again, they are the ones who picked that team. And then Odyssey picked and beat Triumph. So that all works out very cleanly for the people who picked those. Sending Triumph, Carasuno, Drifters, and Kratos in the lower bracket. 
Karasuno take down Tramp again quite unceremoniously. Tramp as not one of contenders map in a hot minute. Yep. Uh, Karasuno looking a bit better, which is good. I had good hopes for them. Uh, Drifters as well, beating out Kratos to move up in the lower bracket. Slept on, getting 2-0'd by square one was a bit a bit rough to see because we, we both had them at top three. You had them at yep. two, I had them at one. And then getting kicked out in the lower bracket where then they lose to Karasuno Didn't is a bit interesting. Either one of those things happening. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's a bit mind. disappointing to see. Um, and then as well, Odyssey continues to be the thorn in the side of Team Doge, knocks them down to the lower bracket as well, 2-1 where they fall to the Drifters 2-1 as well. So Team Doge is now kicked down as well. Karasuna then fall to the Drifters 2-0. Then we see Square 1 and Odyssey in the upper bracket face off. Odyssey takes the strong 2-0 against them, knocks uh, Square 1 to the lower bracket, where they face off Drifters, who takes them down 2-0, leaving us with a 3-2 Odyssey Drifters Grand Final Reverse Sweep for Odyssey as the victors, which we will cover the winner's bracket finals, lower bracket finals, and grand finals. Yeah, so we're going to start off by jumping into the upper bracket finals, Odyssey versus Square One. I'm going to preface this with, I have no notes on this match. I watched it. I had one. I I watched it. But everything that I would have said here... I would have said about Odyssey when we got down later, so I was like, I'm going to talk about Odyssey in the more important match. Um, I I couldn't find anything really to talk about for Square One here. So, Yeah, this was a, a strong match. I mean, the scoreline is a 2-0, and it was pretty strong. Um, I believe Odyssey ended up having a really strong time bank here. Um, great ult management on Volskaya, which was the first map they were able to stagger out ultimates and use like one or two a match. They really relied on Malfell's Dragon Blade to get out a lot of other important ultimates. Um, great Blade to pick off the Solo Ash and Sigma on the side of Square One. Um, then moving into Nepal, Malfell was really dedicated to killing Spee over and over. First on Tracer on the village, and then on McCree on Shrine. Um, I think it was like the final, second to last fight. He just punched him into the wall after hiding around a corner. Um, Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, it happened quite a lot. And then another huge play was Vulcan eating the grab from square one and then Dove getting a 4K to finish the map and the series. So it was pretty handedly won by Odyssey. Yeah, there's really only one matchup that was probably more definitively won. And that's Drifters Square One, because Drifters dominated Square One. Yeah, there was one good look that came out, and that was Milky Man on the Primal Rages. A note I have here is that Decod and Milky Man trade blows with huge uh, Primal Rages on Nepal. Back and forth, mm-hmm. they like... I think Milky Man was able to win a fight for him, I think a fighter, maybe two, on Village with some good Primal Rages. Um, I mean, we know that both of these are fantastic main tanks. But I think Decod definitely got the the edge out here. Um, his Winston is looking absolutely phenomenal here. Decod will maintain his place top on my list of please pick up these players for Overwatch League. Yep. They are really good. And 
as I'll talk about in the next one, a new player has been added to that list as well. Yep. Um, along with Decod playing the, the typical Winston, um, we saw him on Ball a little bit. We saw him on the Arisa. Um, just doing the the mechanical things. He he kind of had a big brain moment on uh, what was it? New Bonnie, uh, third po- going into third point. Um, Decod jumps in, places his bubble. It looks like he's trying to save himself, but it actually is placed in a way as Riser was going to drop a barrage as he caught the nano. Decod drops a monkey bubble right in front of him, which saves him from getting destroyed, allowing him to take out. I think three with the barrage from a distance. It wasn't even like a close up one where we usually see him drop in and they're like two meters away from their, their opponents. Like, no, he was back down the, like the last lane sitting above the payload. Um, but that was facilitated by Decod putting that, uh, that shield up in front of him with the, uh, Winston bubble. So, Big brains on Decod. There's no reason why people in the Overwatch League should not be scouting him uh, for any of the possible openings in main tank coming up here in the next season. Yep. And then I think Razor might actually also work his way onto this list. He's had pretty good performances in the past. Um, maybe as a not as a definitive like anchor player for your team, but like maybe a developmental pickup, mm-hmm. like we saw like a paintbrush picked up to the LA gladiators previously like play under big goose. I think we might see one of these as well of like you give him a map or two. If you have the opportunity to run an echo, maybe you throw him in because his echo is phenomenal as far as pretty good too. Um, and drifters was really taking advantage of that with the Farah. They were nanoing, uh, nanoing, uh, razors far quite often really does good work against square one here. Uh, specifically on new body. I think where we saw it really take off. Yeah, there was one on, uh, Nepal village where it was a questionable fight. I thought the fight was lost. Um, Icy was down on the point. He's just starting to get decimated. He's the only one in there. He drops a grav and I'm like, that's kind of sketchy. Like you just wasted the grav. Well, razor just drops from the sky and gets a three K as he pops barrage into the, what would have been a losing fight. And uh, is able to maintain the point. Drifters go on to win Nepal 200-0 after a couple engagements that they should have lost, but kind of coming on the backs of their tank line and Razor, uh, preventing the the loss of the points throughout Nepal. So Drifters looking really, really good, real good, especially when we get down into this nice matchup here. Yeah, and that was a bit of a weird one. It was a reverse sweep, so it looked like Drifters were getting the salty run back um, after going down to square one in the first quarterfinals. Uh, 1-2-0, 2-1, 2-0, 2-0. Now they go up 2-0 against Odyssey, and we're like, all right, this might be it. That third map, though, Route 66. Mm-hmm. What happens here? They get bodied first point held and then i think they were able to maybe win one fight on defense i don't even know if it was a full fight or if it was just kind of like a scrappy fight and then they get the second fight because they have enough time to get back um i think one of the things that i noticed changed i don't remember seeing 
uh, Malfell be able to run as much Reaper in the first two maps? Nope. Um, Volskaya and Junkertown, I don't really think there's a ton of... I mean, Reaper on Junkertown is kind of not good until second point. Um, I believe, at least. Uh, and then Volskaya, he was on the Genji a lot more. And his Genji's pretty good. We saw it work really well against Square One, but like, it definitely was not doing as much. But man, as soon as he was able to go on the Reaper, these next three maps that they won, he was farming on the Reaper, yep. being a huge distraction in the back line. And while you're distracted looking at Malfell behind you, the rest of Odyssey just run at you in the front. So uh, really, Malfell, I don't like, I have not heard of this player before a month ago, and he has just been nonstop, just on a tear through contenders, which is why he's now like the first DPS on my list um, since we've got uh, Kevster Onigod and Tayo called up. He is yeah. now the, the number one player on my probably give this guy a contract uh, list because he has looked really consistently good too. Like, didn't just have a good tournament. He's had like three or four good tournaments. And, and in the last like month and a half, Odyssey has only gotten first or second in tournaments. And that's kind of the crazy thing. Impressive. Like, going through all of the seasons of contenders, when we would talk about teams, every week, when we would talk about a team, we would usually talk about, you know, one or two different players. It was never always the same player every time. One week, you know, the tank line would pop off. The next week, the the DPS would pop off. And then you'd get a combination of supports with DPS. Literally, every time we talk about Odyssey, the majority of our conversation is Malthion. Like... Yep. Just in this series against... Drifters, oh, wait, you can't even pick him up. He's 16. He's 16. He's he's oh. one of those young ones, man. Oh, no. So, in this matchup, we saw Malthiol on the Genji, on the Doomfist, the Reaper, and the Tracer. Playing all of them, fantastic. When he stepped onto the Reaper is when it kind of elevated a little bit. Definitely. Um, but there, there's a moment on the Tracer where he's 1v1-ing Riser. Uh, on Junkertown, going it, right in between point, the the streets phase between point two and three, um, they're kind of up in those little hallways that lead up to the high ground, and uh, Riser blinks, and as he blinks, man, Malthiel just hits him with a pulse bomb mid blink, and then just backs away with the one v one clutch, goes down, they start to clean up, um. This kid is just phenomenal on basically all DPS that he plays, but when he gets onto his Reaper pick, man, he's almost unstoppable. And kind of going through, his pro career started literally six months ago. So his first team was Phase 2, where he was picked up, played for six days with Phase 2 from the 22nd to 28th of February. Played with dark mode for some amount of time. No one is quite sure. And then in July, early July, he was picked up by Odyssey. And let me go ahead and kind of... uh, Wow, this is great, dude. So looking at tournaments, right? If you go to Odyssey's Liquipedia page, the tournament they played before was Contenders 2020 NA Season 1 Week 4, where they got 5th through 8th. Okay. That was the last time they played without him. Then, 
They picked him up on the 5th of July. The 10th they play, they win trials. They get second in contenders. They win the Feed Fest. They get second in the Mayhem Summer Classic. Then they win August contenders. So literally, since they picked up Malfell, they have only gotten first or second since they picked this one player up. Which, it's just a fascinating thing. Yeah, so. it's, it's crazy just what one player can do for a team. I mean, they he, he basically turned them around because in that in that Contenders series, uh, season one, week four of 2020, um, they beat Well, oh, they also Saints. did pick up the new support line as well of Luke Mino and Rack Attack. Yeah, and both of them are also, like, very notable, but that comes Definitely. down to... They're supports that just do their job. So it's mm-hmm. it, it's not like a Crimzo where he's a f- they're fraggers. No, yeah, they just literally keep everybody alive. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in that one, or in that week, they beat the Saints 4-1, and then they just got absolutely destroyed by Third Impact, because that was back when Third Impact was just running over everyone. Um yep. So it's like they went out super early, and then literally right after that, they pick up the new support line, they pick up Malthio, and they become a top three team consistently. Mm-hmm. And another Didn't thing see to see as well is his coordination with his team, I think, is huge. Um, we see he coordinates when he ults. The I think it was Luke Mino was on the Baptiste throws at the immortality field right enough to where it covers still the majority of the team, but also covers Malthiel on the Death Blossom Reaper. We see he also when Vulcan did a big Ravitic flux, uh, Malthiel teleports to the back line and then helps to pincer this team in as soon as they take incredible damage from the flux. It's just like his his coordination is really like his individual play is great, but like the way that he's able to play with the team um, and kind of work off of being a complete like 180 threat behind the team, mm-hmm. forcing uh, people to pay attention to him. Meanwhile, the rest of the team is uh, rolling is I think part of the, the big thing on why this roster is doing so well. Yeah. Like when he's on, you know, the doom fist, the re or the Genji, the tracer, um, like he's, he's a good frontline DPS doing what he needs to do. Tracer, you know, getting into the back line a little bit. But when he switches over to the Reaper, he elevates his kill potential. But then he also elevates the rest of the team's kill potential. Because I noticed a lot of the time, the team would set up at one angle. And then he would hide behind a corner. And he would wait for the enemy team to get just before they got to the corner. He would jump out put two shots into him, and then rush away. And then the next thing you know, he'd teleport behind him, and then his whole team, the rest of Odyssey, would then just get free shots because they drifters knew that they had to turn and engage. So he's raising everything about his team by simply switching over to the Reaper. It's crazy to see the way that their gameplay changes when he changes over to the Reaper because there was a lot of times this team loves aggression 
and splitting the the defense. Uh, yeah, splitting the defense. Like you said, lots of pincher moves. Um, you know, one of the supports and Malthol off on one side on Junkertown, and then the rest of the team on the other, and then they would just let drifters or square one walk in between them, and then the teams didn't have any answer for them. It's it's crazy to see a team that literally two months ago we were never talking about just being basically the only team we're talking about now because of how good they're doing. Yep, and I do have one final note. I probably should have did this before we went on this um, Odyssey about Odyssey. Uh, Drifters, they do have good coordination with Decod and Fi on the Dynamite-Halt combo. So Decod will uh, halt him in, call it out, Fi launches out the Dynamite, shoots it, and gets just huge entry damage um, onto Odyssey. I think that was part of the reason that they had two really good maps to start. Yep. Uh, but man, after Route 66, it was just a, a switch flipped for and them. Kind of going back to that Route 66 on the Drifter side. That's literally, they're up 2-0. They're getting held right before you know the first door uh, in Streets. And when they went down, well, when they lost, they still had four people alive all around the payload. Um, Malthol had popped uh, Blade, um, and the, or not Blade. Um, why am I drawing a blank on Reaper's Ultimate now? Shotguns, big booms. Um, but he uh, he he drove them all off, and it was literally a C nine, basically four drifters, and that one fight. It was in the overtime. Literally could have made the difference on drifters winning this, and it was pretty nuts. And out of all yeah, the having teams, four up was just brutal for them. Like I don't know if it was just the death blossom or if there was some like boops as well, but like having four up on route sixty six and then still not be able to contest was brutal yeah and then out of the the teams that we saw play against odyssey and even going back into some of the other tournaments uh like the may or the uh the feed fest a lot of the teams weren't playing to the same aggression as odyssey played because odyssey loves to play super aggressive and get right in your face uh playing like may reaper you know genji Drifters was playing at that same level of aggression a lot of the time, but after that Route 66 loss, the aggression kind of pulled back, and you could see them losing more handedly to Odyssey after they stopped with the aggression. So I think that if if teams want to play against Odyssey, they have to expect to play aggressive, because if they play too passive, Odyssey's just going to run over them. They're just going to barrel through them. And then, real quick, checking in on our predictions here. Last week, I believe it was, we predicted... I predicted Slept On being the first team, Odyssey second, Drifters third. Pretty close there. We just... Neither of us really predicted um, the absolute crumble of Slept On. You had Odyssey first, Slept On second, Drifters third. We knew that Drifters would come back. We felt it, that this would be their tournament, and they showed that. But, man, we did not account for the Slept On sleep no they they yeah they fell asleep <laughs> like that was pretty rough. uh 
Yeah, and then real quick, checking in on EU. Be, why? Uh, like, even why? We know what happened. Everybody we know what happened. What British Hurricane didn't drop a map again, dude. 2-0 Angry Titans, 2-0 X Oblivion the first time, 2-0 Avoided. X Oblivion make the salty run back until they get to the grand finals, get 3-0'd by British Hurricane again. This team is probably contesting Fusion University's early seasons for the most dominant team in Tier 2. Uh, we yeah. saw a tweet from Fisher, I think, today or yesterday. Just like, hey... This roster has not lost a map or uh, in this whole tournament, lo not lost a match in like a year. Maybe consider them for some Overwatch League teams. Yeah. Like Meanwhile, London Spitfire's team isn't doing too great. And it's just like, you could just pick up British Hurricane and probably be pretty good man just saying the this the saviors of eu and eu team in eu like yeah bring back the old paris eternal but in uh over in london i mean you could also do what paris eternal does just have a hybrid have like yeah. whatever your your local eu talent is plus some other good korean players like you can't they're not mutually exclusive and we we've seen other teams have lots of success with a mixed roster You've got Shock, you've got Philly, like, it'll work. You just gotta yep. actually put the work in. But it's it's crazy to think, like, twice this weekend, British Hurricane went up against X-Oblivion in the finals and beat them. Granted, the other one was a forfeit. They were still gonna win regardless. They were up 2-0 oh, yeah. when the forfeit came through. Um, it wasn't like they were gonna lose at that point. Um, but so, it is to be noted in that other in the EMEA uh, regionals, they did drop a map to choose Money Crew. They did drop a map. You are a correct, map, but not a match. So the last time this team has lost, twenty nineteen, uh, more than a year ago, August second. Which is a, a year, bananas, a year and a month. 13 months. Was and that was knocked out by Giganti in Contenders. This was the Giganti oh. that was still Davin, Leaf, Sapis, Milky Man, Zupe, Lilbo. So, pretty good roster. So, yeah, that was wild that it was this long that this team has been just top. See, now I want to see... I would love to see some international play here. Uh oh. Wanna, well, give me a gauntlet. Well, we I want to see these... get a gauntlet. Like because yeah. you gotta I remember think... before that last match that they lost a, 13 months ago, there was a moment where Hurricane were on the verge of going to open division. Yep. So like they turned it around and just have absolutely destroyed. I'm trying to find the win streak for Fusion University. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't remember offhand. Uh, neither can I. I can probably find it. Oh, they don't have complete results in any tournament. Oh, no. It's about a year. Uh, no. 
from oh it was until they went to korea basically they got fourth in the pit cup it's hard to tell they were undefeated in contenders for like over a year but like it was a big gray area in like since they went to korea then they kind of crumbled and then they also lost the pit championship but beyond that it was was hard to tell kind of what happened but yeah it's just crazy to think that a team that was was struggling so much turned it around uh so british hurricane we'd love to talk to somebody yeah i'll start reaching out this week a final note is uh, if we see a gauntlet esque thing at some point this year, if we see them maybe do, you know, go to wherever they're playing the Overwatch League playoffs at, have something kind of as a early primer, that would be kind of cool. But it'd probably be logistically quite difficult because uh, you have, to, from what I understand from hearing coaches and players talk about, it, the process of going to there is as brutal, dude. It is complex and it seems like a logistical nightmare. So it seems pretty unlikely, but I would bet some good money that British Hurricane would probably roll, at least having as much uncertainty in NA as we do right now, I yep. feel like they would roll NA right now. Like a month or two ago when you had Third Impact and Doge doing really, really well, I'd be like, eh, maybe not. Uh, but at this point with like a lot of the good teams kind of falling and a lot of newer teams kind of rising up. I think there's absolutely a chance that you can definitively say that British Hurricane would probably 3-0, maybe 3-1 NA team at the moment. So it is fascinating how it often tilts back and forth uh, in terms of the regional dominance. But one last thing to talk about here. The frickin' Trials participants this month. Holy crap, this is brutal, man. You've got Slept On, Doge, and Triumph, all formerly like top three teams in, in NA. Now we're in trials with Kratos, Uprising Academy, Lunaris, Malibu, Revival. And then the team that I think is probably going to end up knocking out a lot of these teams, because we've already seen them beat Odyssey, is Tier 2 Drama Alert Nation, which is the roster that's Speedily Hydron, Wub, Shapeshifter, Cucumber, OG, and Ultraviolet. This is a stacked roster dude um i think that they're gonna make their way out maybe slept on does as well i i really think it's gonna be tier two slept on doge maybe malibu over triumph see but here's here's the thing we can't even definitively say that because only the top two from each group goes. So if we oh, get, we don't know groups are yet. We don't know groups. So if we get slept on Doge and Tier Two Drama Alert in the same group, one of those three aren't making it. Yeah, that's brutal. So like once we get the group announcement, it's gonna be interesting to see because. I have no faith that Uprising Academy is leaving Trials ever. Um, yep. Like, there, there's just so many teams here that could get lucky and make it into contenders simply to get knocked out literally in the first two matches that they play because they got the easier of the two groups. 
Because like I said, if Slept On, Doge, and Tier 2 Drama Alert all end up in the same group, you, we're getting, you know, you know, maybe Noble Revival, Kratos Noble, uh, Kratos Malibu over in the other group making it through and basically just getting destroyed by, you know, um, Square One. Uh, did Oh, yeah, Karasuno made it through. Uh, Drifters, Odyssey. There's no way any of those three teams that I just mentioned make it past any of them in contenders. The teams that have a chance, if they're all in the same group, that's actually going to be a crazy group to watch through trials. Yeah, and basically I wanted to like check to see where we are in the process. So we knew that Tier 2 Drum Alert on uh, about a week ago, they were the ones who won Open Division for mm-hmm. Season 4 it was. So now we definitively know that they there is no Open Division. It's going to be Trial September, which is the next thing we see. And we're a two or three days away from September, so we should be seeing something here pretty soon about what is happening with that. But it's going to be, I think, a, maybe early September um, trials, maybe a week off for some other stuffs, and then contenders again after that. But I'm really looking forward to what happens with this trials. This is this is a pretty stacked trials. There's a lot of teams that uh, really underperformed in contenders, and so now is the time to bring it on back because otherwise the struggle bus is leaving the station. Definitely. But that is it for this week. So Kyle, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, basically Twitter, Kyle, the winner. I'm doing some game Devy stuff here that I've been posting about. So follow me. I got a game coming out here in two weeks. You should be able to play it for free on Android here. So check my Twitter for that. Yeah, um, I'll be doing a, phone a, a showcase out. as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Nice. Um, we'll see what else comes in the near future. Um, I'm I'm reaching a point of I'm switching up a lot of stuff, and I might be picking up some new stuff here in the future. So, um, it's a weird moment in time, but it should be fun. So, Twitter, Kyle Winner, check out what I'm doing. Cool, cool. You can find me over on Twitter at Thorn Rain. Uh. If I ever decide to start streaming again, I do it right here on the Blackwatch Report channel. Uh, If you are an audio listener, swing by the Twitch, hit that follow button up there. And then if you happen to have Amazon Prime, that means you've got Twitch Prime, Prime Gaming. I don't know. They just changed the name. It's super weird. Oh, they just changed it. Gross. It's super weird. I think it's Prime Gaming or something like that. Even though Twitch doesn't do gaming anymore. Great. Um, Great idea. Yeah. Um, you can hit that subscribe button. We are affiliates. It does help out the show. Uh, join the ranks of Mr. Shrugoff uh, in two years because that man is an absolute lunatic. But if you want to help out completely for free, uh, leave us a review. iTunes, Google Play, whatever you use to listen to the show, leave us a review. Send us a screenshot. We'll read it on the show. But you can follow the show on Twitter at Blackwatch Reports. No own that report. And email the show, blackwatchreport at gmail.com. And follow the show right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. We record live Sundays, 6 p.m. Eastern. And our intro music is an original piece by our own Mr. Kyle Wynn. 
This has been a High Noon production. You can find all of our shows over at highnoonpodcast.com and come and chat with all of the hosts on that Discord at discord.me slash highnoonpodcast. And with that, Blackwatch out.